Hello, everyone, and welcome to an NCP conversation. I'm your host, William Kahn, and today we are doing the breakdown of Mentors and Truth. This is episode three. It's going to be a little bit different than episodes two and one. Of course, episode one was an introduction to the podcast, and then episode two, which I think we released on Monday, no, Sunday of last week, um, was the first sermon to the book of James. This week's podcast, um, and, and, and this is Saturday, so it's a, this, this week's second podcast, is going to be the breakdown of Mentors and Truth. Now, what's the difference? One of the first one, Mentors and Truth, episode two, is preaching through James 1.1. This episode of the podcast is going to be the breakdown of James 1.1. See, preaching is delivering the gospel truth into people's lives. But doing that takes a, an incredible amount of preparation, an incredible amount of creativeness, incredible amount to look at all the information and then say, what is God trying to teach us here? So the breakdown is delivering all the kind of important texts, all the important information that surrounds the idea of the, of the sermon that may or may not have got pushed in to the sermon or may or may not have been emphasized during the sermon. So let's jump into it and we will read the text for itself right off the top so you know what we're dealing with. And then I will introduce, you know, what does it look like introducing a new book, the context, and then how that actually broke down into my sermon. So, jumping right into it, James 1, chapter 1, verse 1. This is reading from the NIV Bible. The ESV has a little bit of a different translation, and we will go there, but right now I have the NIV in front of me. So, let's read from the NIV Bible. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Greetings. So, very, very, very simply, that's all it is. That's all the text is. And somehow I get a 26-minute sermon on that. You're like, well, this is introducing James, a couple of his titles, and he's writing this letter, this book. We call it a book because, you know, but it is a, it is a letter of James, to 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. So there's a lot of things that go into the introduction of a, of a new um, letter. Right? So whenever pastors start a new book, they have to kind of give the background to why this book is in the Bible. Why this letter it has found itself into the canonical Bible where everyone recognizes this belongs in the Bible. A couple of different opinions on it. Some love this book, some don't. The Bible is made up of an Old Testament that is books the Jewish people understand as their Bible. And that makes up about, I think, if I'm right, two-thirds of the, of the text. And then the last third is... The New Testament, and those are books written after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, um, 
the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written about the life of Jesus, of course, written afterwards. Um, and they are used to help Christians, help followers of Jesus, understand and, and know the gospel truths that Christ brought into the world to fulfill the Jewish texts. Lots there confusing. All you need to know is that James is in, is in the New Testament. It is written by a man named James, obviously, to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. So to give a little bit of context into this, there's a couple of different people known as James. Um, through the research, we find that James is the brother of Jesus. Right, so to give some context, James, the brother of Jesus, grew up with Jesus, was the younger sibling of Jesus, and needed, watched his brother grow into the man, God, um, how do you say this properly? Jesus growing up as a savior of the world. And James probably would not have believed his brother. He would have seen him as a perfect man, um, which, you know, I look at my family members. I have siblings. I have two sisters and a brother. And I look at them and say, oh, yeah, like, they're, they're perfect. <laughs> I, I say that, and we all know they're not perfect. But I love my brothers and sisters. And so I, of course, look at them and say, yeah, they, everything they do turns to gold. Now, everything... Jesus did, you know, didn't literally turn to gold, but he was probably successful in the things that he undertook. He understood the scriptures, he was wise, he um, had a great prayer life, he probably looked like a devoted Jewish man. James, going up with Jesus, probably adored his older brother, looking up to him and saying, man, like, you're great. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. You never get more upset than you need to be. You never fumble over um, your theology. You, you help out around the house, you love our mom, you love our brothers and sisters. You, you, I want to grow up to be like you, right? Just like any younger brother looks to his older brother. Um, but then, you know, the older brother goes off the rails a little bit and says, yeah, but I also, also I'm God, right? So James, growing up with Jesus, probably adored him and then probably was very conflicted when Jesus started his three-year-long ministry where Jesus started to proclaim that he was God himself. So, James was probably conflicted for a good couple of years under his brother's watch. And then his brother is brought before the Jewish elders, sentenced to death, dies. Right? This is the crazy part. He dies, comes back to life. And James, the brother of Jesus, believes that Jesus is God after hearing everything that he said, watching this traumatic event of losing your older brother, losing the perfect older brother, him being raised up from the from the grave. And, and, and he turns to him and he says, you are God. I believe it. Our mother believes it. You, you are, you are God. And, and he begins to look after Everyone else who calls himself a follower of Jesus. And a church spawns in the middle of the Jewish city of Jerusalem, right? The, the hub of spirituality. 
and and from that hub a small group of people begin to call themselves followers of Jesus and they look to James as their leader. In the Christian community, we call James the first pastor of the Christian church. So, that gives you a little bit of understanding of who James is, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. For James to call Jesus Lord is incredible. Right? And so he is the first pastor of the Jerusalem church. Now, um, what happens is that history, uh, history plays itself out. The Jewish leaders are upset that thousands are flocking to the Christian faith. And they begin to authorize the death, the imprisonment, the persecution of Christians in the city of Jerusalem. So, what happens is that we kind of have this Tower of Babel moment um, in the New Testament. Tower of Babel, people from all over the earth were gathering in one place to build a monument to God, and God dispersed them. Right? Same thing happens here. The Church of Jesus gathers in Jerusalem, and it doesn't look like they're going to make it. They are happy to stay there. Um, but what happens is Jewish leaders find out about this, and they begin to authorize the death, the imprisonment, the beating, the, the, um, the persecution of Christians, and the Christians naturally flee. They scatter. They go to neighboring nations, to uh, different countries, and they, be, they are then understood as the 12 tribes, Israel, scattered among the nations. So, we have James, the first leader, then, you know, within a couple months, his congregation, his, his, his quote-unquote followers, that's all followers of Jesus, um, are, are run. They run from the church and they run to the other nations. And so James is writing to them as their pastor. Right? And so he's writing this letter so he can send it out to all these different nations. So that's the context we find this letter in. Now, all that is, is really great. But what, what are we trying to say in the sermon? Because all that is good information. That's, information is not bad. All that's fantastic research. It's probably information you need to know. And, and, it's, and, and history classes and the study of scripture and the study of what happened to the early church is very important. Does it belong in preaching? Right? Because preaching is taking the text of the Bible and asking God, what do you want proclaimed so that your people have a greater understanding of your word to them. Right? What does the introduction of James have for the believer, have for the followers of Christ? My intent is to bring biblical sermons to life. Right? Because it would be so easy to, to just brush over James 1.1 to say, oh yeah, that's a greeting. As it has nothing to do for your life today. Well, I, I disagree. I think that every part of the Bible has something, right? And, and, and whether that's just historic knowledge, whether, that's, um, and, and whether that is defined truth, there is something that 
every part of the Bible has for the believer today. Right? So, my method, and I've stated this in the introduction, but my method is to have TED Talks meeting biblical sermons. TED Talks, this idea that anyone can listen to a speaker for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, and, and bring something out of that for their life. Right? Pastors are being told, have interdisciplinary studies. Right? Ask a pilot how he flies a plane, what's really important to him, and, 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 or, and, and, and then ask a firefighter what's important to them. And, and take the truths, take the disciplinaries from their lives, and see if it's going to be helpful to, their, to, to the life of a pastor. And the truth is, there's definitely helpful information we can gain from others to pull back into our own life so that we gain considerable knowledge getting out of our own echo chambers, getting out of our own bubbles and saying, man, like, you have something to teach me. There's a truth out there that that I can take from my own life. And I, I believe, my baseline of belief is that Jesus is the truth. That truth is made up of facts, but it's also made up of, um, of this idea that is beneficial for all people. So what I want to do so I want to do a TED talk, and then it meets a biblical sermon. See, if there's a truth out there, there's a greater truth, and then and then if Jesus is the truth, that is the greatest truth, right? And so and so, of course, I have a bias that I want to um, tell you about that Jesus is the the way, the truth, and life, and nobody can get to God except through Him. Right? And the idea of the truth leads to a greater truth, leads to the greatest truth, helps me understand the through line for preaching. See, what does you know, the life of James have to do with the 12 tribes scattered among the nations? Right? I, I, kind of t- I told you about James, I told you about growing up with Jesus, I told you about um, his unbelief turning to belief, I told you about the the followers of Jesus gathering in Jerusalem and then, you know, a Tower of Babel moment, uh, having them spread out across all nations. I could go into Matthew 28, 19, the idea that um, Jesus predicted this. But all those, what, like, that, those are all random facts. All good random facts, but they're all random facts. So, so what's the through line here? What's the through line that James 1.1 has for you and me? I labeled my sermon Mentors in Truth. Because we see here that the thing that connects James and the tribes with their love for Jesus. And, and I see that James was a mentor, a guide, a loving, caring guide for those who called themselves followers of Jesus. Right? So there's a truth here that James wants to teach us, that he's going to mentor, that he's going to teach, that he's going to love the people that he's writing to. 
James is writing this letter in, in grace and love. In, in, in grace and truth, in love and truth. That he is writing true things to the people that he loves. I also am writing this, this idea of a through line about mentors because a lot of people come to the Bible and they don't necessarily respect it. They don't necessarily take it as truth. So we need to come to the biblical text with some openness, right? And so we need to then look at mentors because the truth is, and I believe that everyone needs a mentor, right? You have had mentoring from your parents. You have had mentoring from your teachers. You've had mentoring from people who care, from coaches, from people who care about you and where your life is going. And I see, I look out into our world and I see this idea that we no longer need mentors. That we can learn everything we need to from the internet. And, and yes, that's necessarily true. Everything you probably need to know, you can find by Google. That's true. But... But the contextualization of that information, the care you need to develop with that information can't come through information alone. The, the illustration that I might give off the top of my head would be the idea of, um, of whales. Whales are struggling because of all the pollution that's in the ocean. And the internet will, will give you different articles, right? Whales, whales are in very deep trouble. Whales are, um, are becoming, whatever. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> as this is off the top of my head, I actually don't know the state a whale is in, but I know that there's lots of information about care for the whales. And you are going to walk away with that information in your mind. But does it get down to your heart? Does it get down to where, you, where it actually affects your life? Do you stop polluting because of that? How do you stop polluting because of that? You know, you need contextualization to your own life. And, what, and who can give you that? Mentors can. So the through line is mentors. Right? The truth is that Mentors are, are, mentors are helpful to people. And we can't just go exploring knowledge on the internet because you miss out on something. The greater truth, and the truth that applies to you, is that everyone needs a mentor. The greatest truth is that Jesus is the greatest mentor. And, and we need to do some debriefing of that information because <laughs> sometimes um, the greatest truth, Jesus is the greatest mentor, doesn't paint a full picture of who Jesus is. So going through my sermon, I talked about, um, I first asked the question, the, the through question is, who do you turn to for help? Right. I then go on and tell a story about um, this time traveler named Ken. 
I don't know if it's going to hit because it's not super effective. <laughs> um, it's a, I, I find this story funny, you know, people, what do people do with the phones in the pockets? Well, they watch YouTube videos and they write angry comments on Twitter. That is, that is my life. I don't know about yours, but <laughs> that is 100% the internet uh, for a lot of people. They don't use it to learn different languages. They don't use it to, um, to inform their minds. Some people go onto Twitter or to Facebook or to Instagram and they surround themselves with people just like them. They, they live in these echo chambers and then they look for, if, uh, they look for um, comfort things, you know, um, entertainment. They look for YouTube videos and um, other videos that quite, that fill them with happiness. So I, I wanted to use this um, illustration because when you say once upon a time, or there once was, you know this is a fictional story. And the fictional story tells us something too, that we have this, this phone, called, this thing called a phone that can tell us of all the mysteries of the world and we, have, we use it for the most basic things. Who do you turn to for help? And I use that illustration because I then transfer into this generation, generation generational change from baby boomers to millennials where we baby boomers didn't grow up with the internet they they grew up having textbooks teachers and, and parents and mentors right all those things are mentors where now millennials and the next generation i think it's called generation y or i generation um, they are growing up with the internet. All the information is at their fingertips. And the people who are older than them don't necessarily um, know how to use internet as well as they do or as well as their friends do. So our friend will come along upside to us and they'll say, hey, check this out. And, and they will learn from each other more than their teachers, more than their parents, more than a book, right? Why take time to research a, a, a textbook of 1,500 pages when you can just ask Google? Right? It's, it's simple. So we have this tool, this phone, that can give us all the answers in the world, and yet we don't use it. And then instead of looking for people who can give us answers and help inform our worldview, we are turning to information on the internet and we're turning to information that our friends show us. Right? There is a problem with that, that, that even though we have the best means of information gathering, we still lack the heart behind what information we should be gathering. Right? And, and the disconnect there between information and contextualized information is a mental question stands in this is who are you learning from right? and then I go on to the benefits of having a mentor mentors can tell you your their successes and failures they can tell you their experiences they can tell you about um, the information that you might not want to bring up and then I turn to the idea that books are mentors but well, we need to learn from books 
And this is why James, the book of James, is, is incredibly important. Not only was this a book, a letter, written from a mentor to a mentee, somebody who knows information that they want to give contextually to, the, to those who are actually directly under them, Right? This is this this is uh, this is a book that has now been transferred over two thousand years to you and me. The the truth of the sermon, mentors and truth, is that we all need mentors, and then we transfer right. If that's the, if that's the if that's the if the truth is that mentors are a good thing, and the greater truth is that everyone needs a mentor. The greatest truth is that Jesus should be your mentor. Right? I told you halfway through this talk that this is supposed to be TED Talks meeting biblical gospel-centered sermons. The gospel message of the sermon is that. Jesus is not some dead man, but he is the living God of the universe. And if he is the living God of the universe who talks to you, who listens to you, who knows you intimately, and I haven't made the case for all three of these things, right? I, I just, I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I, I particularly don't make these three points but in, in this sermon, but I believe he is not a dead guy. He is a living God who hears you, loves you, cares for you, knows you. Right? He is going to contextualize the information and wisdom that comes to you so that you can filter your life properly. Right? If he is living, alive, knows about you, cares about you, can give you contextualized information, he is a mentor. He is a good, loving mentor. He is a best mentor. The gospel truth of the matter is that he's not just a mentor. And this is the, the difficulty from transitioning to a TED Talk to a, to a gospel-centered sermon. Is that if we leave it as Jesus is the greatest mentor, it's, it's not a lie, but it's not the full truth. Right? Jesus is the greatest living mentor for you and I. Jesus is also the living God who came to earth, left his home in heaven, came to earth in the form of a servant, to die the death of the criminal, to give his life so that you and I may not experience death, but be entered into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is, is God who gave up everything to reclaim you and me. That is gospel-centered truth of the breakdown of the sermon is to give my listeners something true. Something that our generation doesn't even think of yet, right? A lot of our people a lot of people thirty-five and younger don't ask who can I learn from? Because they have all the information at their fingertips in their phone. But there's a critical piece of the puzzle missing when you just say, I have all the information in my phone. Contextualized wisdom. So I tell a truth. You need to learn from somebody 
who is older, who has information, and who cares for you, and can teach you appropriately. That right there might blow some people's minds. Right? That's the greater truth, that not only a mentor is a good, but you need a mentor. The greater truth, you need a mentor. And, and, and I hope that my sermon will prompt somebody to say, yeah, you know, maybe I should think about the people in my life who can teach me. And, and when you hit them with that message, when you hit them with that message, the greatest truth is then open to them. That, oh, by the way, if you're thinking about somebody to mentor you, you should, you should, you should turn to Jesus. And, 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 and the chasm is wide and far there. But they say, why should I turn to Jesus? One, he is a living God who knows about you, loves you, and has all the information in his, like, in his very being. He is love and wisdom. He is the person who knows everything about you. You might not even believe he exists, but but if you're looking for a mentor and, and you don't know who to turn to, at least give Jesus a shot, man. I don't, maybe, maybe you'll pray to him tonight. Maybe you, you won't think about this conversation for a year, five years, ten years. But if you think about this information sometime down the line and, and you're like, maybe Jesus is real. Man, you, people should pray to him. This is where we open up the door for real gospel change. We don't start off with saying that Jesus is, is God, therefore you should pray to him. We implant the, the seed of truth that mentors are a good thing. Oh, and by the way, you need a mentor. If they can get to that point, that's, that's the door halfway open to say, maybe you should pray about that. And they say, why? Well, because you need somebody who is older. I don't know anyone who's older than the Alpha. You need somebody who is wiser. I don't know anybody wiser than God. You need somebody who cares about you. I don't know anyone who would care more about you than Jesus. You, you, you should turn to Jesus. And as they're laying in bed one day, having zero idea where to turn to, maybe God's speaks into their heart at that moment. And they throw up a prayer and they say, Jesus, help me. And, and I say that in my sermon, you know, it's like, just ask Jesus for wisdom about your situation. Ask him to solve a problem in your life. I believe God has his prayers. I, you know, I, I understand that God is not some wishing machine. I understand that. But these people have to some people have to situationally get to know Jesus. Sometimes the Jesus that you and I know as Christians will be too much for a person who is just being introduced to God. And sometimes that's a good thing and they give their life on the spot to Christ. That's amazing. Other times they need to incrementally experience Jesus. So my hope at this break time as you understand there's so much we could have gone into into the history of James 1.1 I could have introduced a book I could have done all my debrief 
and, 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 get, and gone to multiple locations and multiple ideas of where the sermon should go, but I wanted a thrilling. I wanted to take somebody to a truth, to a greater truth, and then to the greatest gospel truth. I believe I did that with mentors. That everyone, that mentors are good, that everyone needs a mentor, and that Jesus is the greatest mentor because he is a living, breathing, he's a living God who knows about you, your family, your context, and is willing to come to you even though you might be even against him. And he is willing to walk in your very soul to care for you, to love you. Anyways, that's all time we have for the day. Over 32 minutes, which is longer than I wanted it to be. Um, I'm hoping to get better at these. I am excited for anyone who is listening to this. Thank you. I appreciate all of your time. May God bless you today and forever. You have been listening to an NCP conversation. My name is William Khan, and we'll be back sometime in the next couple of days with sermon number two, uh, looking at James 2, 1, 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. So if you have enjoyed yourself so far, I look forward to talking with you next time. This is William Khan signing out.